Bible, so you can turn with me. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 today. I got a question for you before I get started. I think I know the answer to this, all right? Uh, do any of y'all take prescription medications? <laughs> I'm just playing with you. If somebody prescribes something for you, what do you do? You take it, right? So you've gone to the doctor, a physician has checked you over, and he prescribed you a medication because it's what? It's supposed to make you better, right? It's supposed to be better for you. It's something with the condition that you have that makes you better. Well, what do we? this is what Corinthians chapter 13 is. It is our love prescription. These first verses that we're going to look at today is God's prescription to us for love. All right, And why? Because it makes us better than where we're at. So when you see these little uh, uh, directional, I guess it would almost look like an arrow. That's a greater than on your outline, all right? So understand that's why those are on there. So this is to make us better than we were than we, when we walked in here. It makes us better than where, what we were before we read it. It makes us better before what we were before we applied this to our lives and to who we are in our actions and in our deeds, all right? So, this is love prescribed to us, reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the first three verses. If I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith as so to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. All right. So the first thing I want you to see, we're going to take this verse by verse. So the first verse says, if I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. All right. Love is greater than eloquent speech or charm. Most of what we have today from pastors is charisma. I need you to understand that the reason that people... You're here today because I have charisma, right? All right? Because I am such a charismatic person. That's what brings you back each and every week. Pastors today that have a lot of folks have a lot of charisma. That Not only are they, are they wise and they, they know what God's Word says and things like that, but there's a charisma about them. There's, there's something that attracts other people to what they're saying and who they are, their personality, those type things. We can get caught up in charm. Because I can also tell you this, there's a lot of people who've fooled a lot of people over the course of their life through their charisma and their charm. God's love is greater than eloquent speech or charm. Words that we can say. Things that we will look later on. Things that we can do. So as we think about the fact that we go out there every single solitary day and we can share the gospel and our words can come out and we can quote scripture and we can do all of these things to what we know to be truth from what God tells us and we don't have love towards those who are around us, it's not going to mean anything. Every single one of you knows somebody who you've either worked with or possibly been on a team with or done something recreationally or socially with who was someone who would quote Scripture all the time, but they didn't live the words that they were coming out of their mouth. And so what did everybody think about them? 
They were hypocrites, right? That's the term that's used about us all the time, is that we're hypocritical. Is that these words that come out of our mouths aren't lived in our lives. Guys, we have to follow this through with action. And as what we've learned over the last two weeks as we've been studying about love, love is the first thing that identifies us to who we are. It should be our, our identity, and it's what brings intimacy between us and other people. It's what builds relationships. It is the foundational tool that builds relationships. You have to have a love, a genuine love and care for those who are around us. If we don't love anybody else, we're not going to go out and try to do anything for them, are we? When we don't go out and try to do anything for those who are out there in the world who may be either suffering or maybe going through issues or those that we work with or those that we come in contact with, then what? Our interests are all about ourselves. And if we're worried about only about ourselves, then the things of this world will eat us up because not only will the lust of the eye and lust of the flesh get us, but pride of life will get us. And that is the foundational thing that brings us to ruin. We begin to think that we are better than those who are around us. So know this. The first thing that we need to see is that we don't need to fall into the trap of eloquent speech. We need to let our love shine, and that love is greater than that. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1 and 2 says this, When I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or with wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. This is the Apostle Paul. Has anyone ever accomplished more for the gospel in this world that we know of than the Apostle Paul? For what he did for the kingdom in the early days, there's no one that can compare to that. Not even the 12 disciples who walked with Christ. Paul, God used him in a mighty, mighty way. And still does through all of the letters and scripture that we have. So we know that Paul's testimony continues to shine on and continues to live on. Paul was a smart fella. Scripture tells us that he was a Pharisee among Pharisees. Meaning this, we were talking about this in Sunday school today. Those who were leaders amongst one of the groups were put on the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin were the 70 that were in charge of all of the Jewish faith and what was going on. And they kept it intact and kept it in line. And it was made up, it was a compilation of Sanhedrin was made up of the Sadducees, Pharisees, Essenes, Zealots, all these different sects that were a part, or denominations, that were a part of the Jewish faith. So... Paul would have been that type of person. He studied to be that type of person. He wasn't just going to be a Pharisee. He was going to be a Pharisee among Pharisees. He was probably going to be, if he would have continued on, a leader of that group, he probably would have been on the Sanhedrin one day as he got older. So he was a smart guy. He knew all the ins and outs of faith. But he says right here, I did not come to you with eloquence of speech. I didn't come here to impress you with my biblical knowledge today, right? Because y'all would not be impressed, would you? You would not. So we don't need to come for fancy words. We don't need to come for personalities. We don't need to come for charm. We need to understand when we go to somebody, we need to get to them and, un and connect with them at the basic element of who they are. That's a foundationally a relationship that is built upon love and trust and truth. 
So as love is prescribed to us, know this, first and foremost, that love is greater than eloquent speech. Let's continue on. Verse 2 says this, If I have the gift of prophecy, and I know all the mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith as to remove mountains and do not have love, I am nothing. Love is greater than divine secrets or the mysteries of God. How many of you want cool gifts that God gives out? Are y'all even with me today? Come on, here, here. I'm right, I'm right here. Hang with me, all right? How many? We would love to have that, right? We would love to have the, all of these innate abilities and gift sets. and all. How come all these other people get this stuff and we don't get this stuff? We think about it. They are so great because they, God trusts them so much that he tells them these things. It's just awesome to look at the life of, the, of these folks that God has blessed in these ways. To some people, he gave great, great, I don't want to say power, but he gave great fellowship with as, as our holy God. With that came great responsibility. Paul was called up, as Scripture says, into the third heaven, and he was shown things that no one else who had ever lived have seen. Now, we've got some of the things that are given to us in Revelation that John saw. And so we know some of those things. That were, but God revealed mysteries to Paul that Paul said that I can't even put into words. We won't even understand. Isaiah 55 says, God says this to us. He says, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. So knowing this, there, you need to understand, God is beyond us. He is beyond our capabilities and our faculties. In other words, we need to know that the greatness of God is more than we can comprehend. And so if we were given all of the mysteries of the world, if we had all of this innate wisdom and knowledge and information that we could get, what if we had the answers for everybody? What if we knew where Cain's wife came from? What if we knew all these things were the questions where people pull out all this obscure stuff from Scripture and try to throw it back at us? What if we knew all of those things? We could answer all those questions. Wouldn't that be awesome to know all of these mysteries and to have that? It would mean nothing if we don't have love. Every one of us has the capability to love those who are around us. Know this. You have, can make a greater impact through your love relationship with those who are around you than some people can through all of their knowledge. Have y'all ever seen Ravi Zacharias? Have y'all ever, do you know who this Ravi Zacharias Ministries? If you don't know Ravi Zacharias, you need to go look him up on the internet or whatever. He's out of Atlanta. He's uh, an Indian gentleman, and he is just brilliant, brilliant. So Ravi Zacharias takes on people all the time who are agnostics or atheists or, or non-believers or, or humanists or whatever you want to, and he debates them a lot of times, bringing scripture and philosophical ideas of what the faith is and challenges them for their belief system of why they believe what they believe. He's just a, he's a brilliant. To hear the words that come, I can't even pronounce half the words that come out of his mouth. But if you don't have love, it doesn't matter if you're as smart as Ravi. It really doesn't matter. Know this. You can have a greater impact that way through these love relationships. 
I know I brought her out and pointed her out all, all, all the time about this, but uh, I'm going to do it again this morning. Miss Marcia doesn't meet a stranger, does she? She shows up on Wednesday night, and she's met someone in the line at the grocery store, and we're praying for them. That is an awesome thing. That is a connection that she has. That is showing someone a love relationship by being so concerned about who they are as an individual that when you just walk up and meet them for the first time, you want to know what's going on, and you've brought their prayer request to to a whole group of people so that we can lift them up before the Father. Sometimes I wonder if I have the impact on people's lives that that lady right there has. Because she has the ability and the gift set that God... Because you know what? She loves. She loves. And it's easy to see. Look, there are other ways too. The ladies that feed us on Wednesday night, that get there early, that's a love gift. And, and Don is missing the love right now, aren't you, Don? He is. He doesn't know what he's going to do this summer. He is a lost, lost being without... His Wednesday night love that he... You don't realize the impact that we have. Are you See, it's greater than these words. It's greater than the divine mysteries of knowing all the answers to all the problems, to all the questions. I don't have all of the answers. You know, we're in a country right now, we're trying to figure out when life begins. And we're trying to define what that is and what that looks like. And there's sometimes that I wake up in the morning and I've gone, man, have we gone too far? And other times I'm like, yeah, this is life. This is when life starts. This is what life is. We can't take out anything. There's nothing. You know, everybody have all have the opportunity for that. God knows these things. He created us. We don't have all the answers. And we go out and we make laws to try to define these things, but God writes it. Scripture says he writes it where? He writes it on our hearts. He takes out that big piece of stone that's in us, and he gives us a heart of flesh is what Scripture says. So when Paul comes and Paul knows all of these things, Paul says, I didn't come to you like someone who knew all of this. I'm trying to come to you and relate to you person to person, flesh to flesh. Someone else who wrestles with all of the things in life, just like you wrestle with all of the things of life. So when love is prescribed from God, it's greater than the eloquent speech, it's greater than charm, it's greater than divine secrets or the mysteries. Mark 4.11 says this, And he was saying to them, To you it has been given the, the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to those who are outside get everything in parables. When he was talking, this passage right here, the Lord is talking to everyone in parables, and so the disciples pull him aside. Why do you tell stories all the time? I tell stories to those folks because they can't relate to these divine mysteries because those divine mysteries have been given to you. We're not going out into the world to lord it on everybody, lord it over everybody. We're given these divine mysteries, the information, the knowledge, the wisdom of God, so that we can go out and connect with those who are lost. So instead of quoting Scripture sometimes, we might ought to live Scripture. And in living Scripture out before someone else, 
they can know who you are. Remember why we said last week that the love relationship defines you as a disciple. People will know that you are a follower of Christ by how you love one another. And so how we have relationship with those around us will show us be believers and followers of Christ. I think it's Francis of Assisi that said, you need to always live for Christ and sometimes you, use, you need to always be professing or testifying who Christ is and sometimes you need to use words. That's my paraphrase. So we use words all the time. What he's saying is that we're living Christ every day of our lives and sometimes that calls for us to actually use words. But our life should be lived in such a way that those who are around us should know that we're a believer and follower of Christ. If you didn't say a word about Jesus, would people know that you're a believer? That's a tough one. I'll move on, okay? The last verse, verse 3 says this, And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. So the first thing he said, remember, he says that I'm just saying words. The second thing he says is, what does he say here? That, that I am nothing. The third thing he says is that there is no profit for anything that he does. So think about this. Our life, remember how he said love brings meaning to who we are? It brings the identity. What is this prescription that God gives us about love right here in these first three verses? What does it say? If we lack this... There's no meaning to who we are. If we lack love in the ability to love others, then there's not going to be meaning, purpose, validity to who we are. And so there's not going to be any profit to it. Yield is a, is a great word. And is it not? Yield means what? Come on, what does that mean? Stop. Yield means we're supposed to stop and let everybody else go in front of us, right? Yield also means what? Gain. Productivity. So, think about this. When we show love to others, when he says that our lives are not profitable, then our lives are not yielding out what our lives should. So, if you, we apply that to our lives, a love relationship should yield. Every guy in here should yield to their wife, right? Amen. Yeah, Don's in agreement with me. Yes. Yes. Secret to a happy marriage for all men in here is what? Yield. Yeah, that's it right there. Yes, ma'am. Yielding. What does yielding mean in that, that way to stop? It means to, to also what? Surrender. Submit to yourself to somebody. Allow, to allow someone else to go in front of you. It's to, it's to allow, put yourself what? Last. This is the great picture of Scripture. The Lord tells us, the last shall be first, the first shall be last. So we have to know and have to see this. There's going to be no productivity. There's not going to be anything left of who we are without love. So the third thing I want you to see is that love is greater than our personal sacrifice and suffering. He says, if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. I could go out and take one for the team. Have any of you ever done that? 
Anybody ever felt like that in your office or something like that at work? You've gone out and sacrificed yourself and took one for the team. <laughs> and in the end, no one was appreciative of what you did. Yeah. So you went out and you made a personal sacrifice to step up and to do something that no one else was willing to do. Maybe you worked a holiday or maybe you, you did something to allow someone else to go on vacation or maybe the boss needed someone to step up and you didn't even get a thank you for any of that. You see, we think that our personal sacrifice should be recognized, right? Yeah. Every single one of us believes that when we personally sac sacrifice for God, that's like what? Getting a gold star for coming to Sunday school for the entire year, right? It goes on. We Look, Tim recognized me. I had perfect attendance for Sunday school for an entire year. You remember when the SBC, the Southern Baptist, used to do that? Did any of y'all did that? Any of y'all ever have perfect attendance? All right. Now we can't even get teachers to sign up to be here 52 weeks out of the year. <laughs> Much less have people, parishioners, that would come and come to Sunday school classes 52 weeks out of the year. Heck, the pastor won't even show up 52 weeks out of the year. He's got to have some vacation time and some downtime, right? But we used to recognize every single solitary bit of that. People would get stars and get recognized at the end of the year. Why? Because they made the personal sacrifice. How about the kid that showed up to school every single day? How about the parent? They got the kid to school every single day. Did y'all ever have any of those when your kids graduated that they recognized the kid that had perfect attendance for 12 years going through all through school, made it through? I'm thinking, who is that parent and how did that work out? I need to get you up and get... Look, we made all these sacrifices so that our these things could happen. These things could come to be. When that happens, we want recognition for that. God says our love relationships of what we leave behind are much, much greater than that. It's greater than our personal sacrifice. Our love relationships that we have with other people have a life of their own, meaning they linger longer than the breath that you have in your body. Do you know somebody, or can you stop for just a second and think of someone who's in your past that's no longer here, gone to be with the Lord, that loved you? That loved and poured love into your life, and they're no longer breathing. They've gone on. Just like the song that Chris sung right there. That whole song was about, hey, I'm gone, but this love relationship with my dad, with my wife, all of these, with my children, these still live on. Even though the life of the person is not here. This is the impact of who we are. This is what I talk about, and I've mentioned this before, that we need to leave a dent in the world. Our life needs an impact. It makes an impact while we're alive, and then it makes an impact through the life that we live through other people. And it's not just always your children. It's been, an, it's been a neat thing over the last few weeks and months. I've had an opportunity to come in contact with folks and I've actually, we even got a, a letter. Someone just wrote us a letter that was a part of ministry from where we're not anymore. Thanking us for what that meant to them and their family. And you think people forget. This happened to be a youth. 
that were in student ministry a long time ago, and then there, it was actually their parents. And then Tamara actually had someone who was a, who was a, a patient who had children, and she came in to see Tamara as a patient and said, tell Tim to tell and thank you for all that he did for my kids. And I look back now and I'm going, those kids are grown. They don't even remember who I am. But the reality is, is that there must have been some kind of impact there that their mom still sees. And I believe, and I would hope and I would pray that they're having that same kind of impact on their kids who some of them have no clue. I've never even met them. Do you see how this reverberates out? That's the impact of our love relationships that we have with an individual that can manifest itself in the life of other people and then go out to others through that love relationship with God. This is how we transform the world. This is how we redefine what's going on culturally. We're not going to redefine culturally through lawmaking. And as religious people, we've tried to do this you know, as the religious right or whatever you want to call it through politics and, and you know, backing certain politicians. It's not going to happen that way. It's going to happen through love. Why? Because love is greater than all of these things. And because love is greater than all of these things, the Lord tells us we're getting there. It remains. It is what is strong. It is what perseveres. Our personal sacrifice that we make, the suffering that we go through, that's a part of who we are as followers of Christ. We don't like to talk about this a lot. <laughs> I think it's very apropos that we're talking about this on Memorial Day. We have freedoms today to be able to sit in here and to have worship freely because of those who've lost their life and died for those freedoms. The Lord tells us, hey, you're not suffering that bad because you haven't suffered to the point of death yet. So we haven't paid that ultimate sacrifice for our faith and for our freedom. Others have. But know this, Every single one of us is called to be a servant. So when we yield our life to the Lord, then our life is a yield to those who are around us. To stop and let them go first, and to also produce and leave something behind. Scripture says this, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 18 through 20. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect. Not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. For this finds favor. If for the sake of conscience towards God, a person bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly. For what credit is there if you sin and are treated, are harshly treated, if you endure it with patience? But if you do it what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it, it finds favor with God. Your suffering finds favor with God.
Don't you wish it didn't have to quite be that way? But it does. We make personal sacrifices. We lay down things. And in, with the Lord, this finds favor. How does God reward those who are in his favor? Let's think about that for a second. Eternal life? Hey, that's a win. Eternal life with him and his presence always. Scripture talks about crowns, crown of life, crown of righteousness, being able to, to sacrifice and be a faithful servant, to be able to one day when we worship him, be able to throw crowns at his feet as a sign of, the, of a life well lived for him and a blessing. Then there's the blessings that he gives us here, mercy and grace. Think about all the trouble you'd be in if it weren't for God. Mm. Think about the ditches that God has gotten you out of. How about the ditches that you didn't get into because of God? See, all these things are things that we take for granted a lot of times. Just like we walked in here today with the freedom to worship. And we forget about those who have gone before us and those that have paid the price. I'm going to give testimony just a little bit about, um, I, I've told you guys before, and I don't want to harp on it, it just popped in my mind, and I just feel like I need to share it. My dad was not perfect. I think I've told you guys that before. He could, he could be a rough fellow. But I will tell you this, there's nothing that my dad wouldn't have done for somebody else. And in our personal circumstance and situation, when we were first married, we had a car go, go down. And so because of what took place, it was actually an accident. Tomorrow got in an accident. We were upside down in the car. And because we were upside down in the car, we traded it in, but we ended up having to make a sacrifice. We ended up with one vehicle, and there was two of us, and we both needed to be at work and all this stuff. My dad was losing his business. He was going bankrupt. But had some money had come his way because he had had health insurance with the group. And as, as they, the group discontinued their health insurance, I don't know if he paid premiums or whatever, but somehow or another, he and my mom ended up with a check from them. Now think about it. My dad's losing his business. And he's about to go into bankruptcy. And money has come his way. And you know what he did with that? He went out and helped us put a septic tank on a piece of property. And he bought us a $2,000 car so I could drive around in. He didn't use the money for himself, which he very much so needed. But he turned around and us sacrificially so that we'd have a place to live and we'd have a car to drive. And I've seen him do that with Mike, with people that work with him time and time again. That's a greater love. That's a sacrifice that was made for somebody else. He didn't receive anything for that. He still lost his business. He did what he felt was the right thing to do for us. And you know what? It lives today. You know why it lives today? Because I just told it to you. It lives today because the way that we try to live our life. If someone else is in need, we'll try to make the sacrifice that we need to make so that 
others can have what they need. Hey, and in listening to that, I'm going to close. Have I got through all this? Clay, Clay tells me when I haven't gotten through all this. Let me give you the last scripture because I want to tell you this is closing. Hold fast to the word of life so that the day of Christ will have reason to glory because I did not run in vain nor toil in vain. No idea that I was, no idea, Clay says, thanks, thanks a lot. Clay gave me a thumbs up today. I got a call this week from Miss Shirley. Miss Shirley now knows what their needs are. Cecil doesn't know I'm going to do this. They need $10,000. That's probably more than the church can do as a church right now. But it's not as much as we can do individually. And I know that there are things that are, you know, we've already set in motion to try to raise funds and to do what we can do uh, to try to help. But we need to be in prayer for this is a family in our fellowship. And we need to show love. And that love may be sacrificially, financially or physically meaning we go out and we serve or do whatever we need to do to help them be able to raise the funds. Why? Because we know what this lady has suffered. Not only do we know what she suffered, but we know also how much she's given to a lot of us during her suffering. Baskets and food that's been fixed. And the way that she's provided, not thinking about herself physically sometimes, working herself into a frenzy so that she can get done what needs to be done here at the church. Now, we have the opportunity to be able to do that as ourselves. And we need to pray about that and see what God leads us to as a congregation and as individuals. Because someone's in need around us. And when God calls us to love, it's a greater love. And it's greater than even our personal sacrifice. Amen? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you so much for this day. And just the chance that we have to be able to be here and to, to be together. Um, Lord, it's a weekend. It's a holiday weekend. It's a long weekend. There's plenty of other places people could have been. There's plenty of other things and activities that are going on that could have taken up our, our day and our time. But everyone has chosen to be here, Father. And these are the words that you've given us. Father, we praise you for all those who've gone with us. But at the same time, Father, we give you glory for what you're going to do amongst us because of being here today. Help us to love. Help us to love with the love that has been prescribed by you. A love greater than gifts. A love greater than what we receive. A love greater than what we sacrifice. Father, these things we ask for and pray now in Christ's precious and holy name. Amen. We're going to stand together and sing. And as we sing, you move as God leads. I'll be up front here to receive him one, and then the altar is open as well. From the darkness, I spoke your name.